Hey everyone, welcome to the Unfiltered Truth Podcast, where our hope is to encourage you to wholeheartedly embrace your unfiltered truth and to discover the value and purpose of your story and the stories of those around you by hearing others share theirs. I'm Sky, And I'm Isabel. And we and a couple of our friends have started this little ministry we like to call Unfiltered Truth where we ask people to share the highs and the lows, the good and the bad, and everything in between that's brought them to where they are today. So here are some of those stories. Enjoy. I am so excited to introduce you all to Mr. Kyle Peacock, or as the Insta world knows him, Handyman Kyle. Man, Kyle and I go way back. Well, maybe not that way back, but to like 2018. You know, the good old days. Kyle is seriously (laughs) one of my favorite people in the world and one of the funniest people in the world. Um, Just going to share a really fast story. The first time I met Kyle ever, just like walked into Bible college as a little 18-year-old, thought everyone was going to be on fire in love with Jesus, you know, like just, you know, super excited. I walk up to Kyle. I see that he has a tattoo on his neck. What is it? Psalm 67? Psalm 63. 63. Almost got it. And I was like, yeah. oh, like, that's so cool. Like, share with me. Like, why'd you get that? Like, what inspired you? Like, you know, he goes, oh, I was drunk when I got it. Oh <laughs> and God. that was the moment that I knew Kyle and I would be friends for life. even. And it was a joke, by the way. I, was I really was. Yeah. <laughs> but it was hilarious. Um, well, Kyle is from Knoxville, Tennessee. Go Vols. Vols. Did I say that right? Vols, like volunteers. Go Vols, go Vols, but currently Kyle is residing in New York City where we actually became friends and where Kyle introduced me and started my addiction to soup dumplings. I will seriously forever be in debt to him for that. Kyle has been involved with urban ministry in New York City for over 10 years, and now Kyle is the co-founder of two different incredible ministries, one being a community of urban missionaries within the music industry, all different types of Christian artists called Die Daily, and his other new ministry is Urban Reach New York City, which is a ministry that is embarking on a great opportunity to provide trainings on short-term urban missions, urban missionary discipleship, and local churches, and expanding the missionary mis- ministry efforts in urban outreach. I totally just read that off the website. Um, and last but not least, Kyle is a huge foodie. So if you want to do some sick ministry in New York City and eat some incredible food along the way, you know who to hit up. Wow. Man. I'm kind of overwhelmed by that introduction. That was incredible. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> so Kyle, if you would, could you please share your story with us? Yeah. Uh, you know, thank you for having me and uh, totally blessed to have the opportunity and every opportunity I have to share my story. And, you know, uh, really Jesus's story through my life is just an awesome responsibility. And I don't take it for granted. And I'm just truly thankful for the invite for allowing me to be here. So are you guys ready to hear my story? We are so Absolutely. ready. We're so ready. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, before I tell you my story, to kind of have a, a lens to why my uh, story is important, uh, I like to think of it through the lens of John 11, uh, or chapter 11, verse 4, where we see the story of Lazarus, and um, Mary and Martha write a letter to Jesus, say, hey, Lazarus is sick, you need to come and heal him. 
And Jesus replies back in verse four. He says that illness does not lead to death, but it is for meant. Uh, it, it is meant for the glory of God. So as I share my story, just kind of have that lens that your illness does not lead to death, but it is meant for the glory of God. So my story starts off really rough uh, and gets right into it. All the bad stuff happens really right off the bat. So um, born in 1988 into an anti-abortion program, uh, still to this day, uh, do not know my biological family, do not know anything about uh, anything when it comes to my real family. Uh, all I know is that my mother was between the ages of 15 and 17 years old when she gave birth to me. And when she gave birth to me, uh, like in the hospital room, like I guess she went her way and then I was placed into an orphanage in uh, East Tennessee. So uh, immediately placed in the state's custody and uh, that's pretty much all I know about my mother or my father or anything like that. So um, I was almost immediately adopted by some uh, pastors that actually worked at the group home facility that I grew up at. So even though I was not in the custody of the group home for a while, uh, I grew up there because my parents, my adopted parents, uh, worked there. So as a baby, uh, you know, when it's time for you to start walking and crawling and all that kind of stuff, they noticed that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. So they took me to the hospital. Uh, I mean, I was an infant, you know, and uh, ran some tests on me. And they had found out that actually while I was in my mother's womb, uh, before she gave birth to me, that I had suffered a stroke. And... Um, the doctor said he really doesn't know why I had a stroke, but he says it was probably one of two reasons. Either my mother was too small to actually care for a baby inside of her at the time, and I got tangled up in there with the umbilical cord and all that uh, stuff, and I had a stroke, or she was abusing drugs while um, she was pregnant with me, but don't really know why. Uh, but for whatever reason, I suffered a stroke, which uh, gives me a very slight form of cerebral palsy. Uh, my form of cerebral palsy is called left hemiparesis, literally meaning the left hemisphere of my body is paralyzed. So what kind of happened with that is um, all the nerves in my, the left side of my body running through my left arm and my left leg and all that kind of stuff infused together into one giant nerve so instead of having a ton of nerves running through my left hand i only have one giant nerve um and same thing with my leg um and because when the time i had the stroke in my development stage uh like i don't have a heel cord and i don't have an achilles tendon they never developed so like my left ankle was just kind of like stuck in one place it just kind of follows my leg wherever my leg goes it goes uh which is kind of funny but uh anyway mm -hmm. uh, uh so um so you know i'm kind of keeping track here you know I'm, I'm an orphan and now i'm a handicapped orphan so um i was adopted into a family uh and my dad was actually the campus pastor of the group home i was at so the group home was a big old college campus that um they turned into an orphanage. So it had all these houses. It was like 12 houses on the campus and eight, each house had like eight kids. And we had a, 
a common like uh, gym and rec area and cafeteria and we had a church and we were forced to go to church uh uh you know every time the you know sundays and wednesdays and bible studies and all that good stuff and my dad was the pastor of that for a little bit so um we had they adopted another boy that was eight years older than me and he had had some struggles in his life and uh you know uh, at the time I hated him and he hated me and all that kind of stuff. And he was really going through a lot of dark things in his life and he had abuse and he had anger and he had frustrations and he kind of passed that on to me. So, uh, he abused me in some ways that, uh, hurt me emotionally and physically. So, uh, to keep track one more time, I'm now an abused handicap orphan. Um, the church side um, I actually started resenting God and resenting Christianity because why would a God allow me to be placed into a mother's belly that didn't want me? Why did he then put me into an adopted family that isn't that great for me and that had an abusive older brother? And then uh, with my dad being the pastor, we grew up in like a Pentecostal church. The group home I was in was a Church of God denomination, Pentecostal. What comes with that is if the service is good, you have an altar call. If the altar call is good, you have a healing service. And if the healing service has uh, goes good, you have what I like to call the Holy Ghost car wash. And mm-hmm. the Holy Ghost car wash is all the pastors and leaders and men of the church get up and they get their anointing oil. And whoever wants healing can walk through and they put oil all over your body and then you're supposed to be healed. So uh, not once, not twice, not five times, not ten times, multiple, multiple times. Uh, When we had healing services, who do they want to heal? The local handicapped kid. Uh, So I went through the Holy Ghost car wash many times, Uh, got oil all over my head, my uh, arm, my ankle, everything, and then um, went through the line and, you know, all right, let's see how God healed you, and nothing. I was never healed. Um, and that was kind of the breaking point for me with Christianity. You know, I was just kind of like, you know what, screw this. Like, this faith is not for me. Uh, Christianity is not for me. Like, I never once thought I was an atheist. Like, I always believed that there was a God there. I never once was like, oh, there's no God. I was like, yeah, there's a God, and I hate him, and I want nothing to do with him. So that kind of sent me on like a little spiraling uh, middle school years and high school years where I was doing stupid stuff with stupid people and uh, just becoming more dark and more frustrated and more angry with everything. So um, I took a little sip of water. Um, So... I was at 15 years old. I was forced to go on a mission trip. I didn't want to go on this mission trip at all. Uh, one of my mentors, who was my best friend's dad at uh, at the time, he said, "Hey, I'm leading the mission trip to New York City, and you're going." And I'm like, mm, "No, I'm not." So uh, you know, he says, "Yes, you are. I paid for it. You're going. We're going." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I have to go on this trip." Uh, this mission trip to New York City, but I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm going to pout the whole time. I'm going to try to eat good food while I'm up there and just have fun. And, you know, who cares about the ministry side of it? So got to New York City at 15 years old on a mission trip that I did not want to be on. And throughout the week mission trip, 
Jesus revealed himself to me in an amazing way that I was totally not expecting. And all throughout the week, it was like Jesus left these little nuggets of things for me to like come across and deal with and to struggle with. And when, as the week progressed and as the mission trip was nearing its end, we were sitting in a service and it was, I can almost see it as I'm talking about it now. Like Jesus supernaturally put this picture of two groups of people in my head. And he says, this group of people have told you their entire lives that they are Christians. And this group of people this week have shown you uh, they're Christians. So do you want to be part of the group that says they're Christians or do you want to be part of the group that shows you they're Christians? And that was like so light light bulb in my brain moment for me. I don't know what you call it, uh, but it was just amazing. It was like, okay, like I get it. Jesus is real and I want to be a part of this. This is the group that I want to be a part of. I want to go back to my group home facility. I want to save all of my friends. I'm on fire for Jesus. I'm 100% in. So uh, this is kind of where the good stuff happens. Uh, go back to uh, my group home. And as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid now, uh, hop on my MySpace account. If you guys remember MySpace, I don't know. But it was like Facebook before Facebook. So hop on my MySpace account, and I create this copy and paste message, like two or three paragraphs uh, long. It says, hey, I'm this handicapped kid from a group home, and I'm an orphan, and, you know, I just got saved, and I'm on fire for Jesus, and will you come help save all my friends? And <laughs> uh, I just found all these different Christian rock bands and Christian hip-hop artists and Christian motivational speakers and anybody that I could find that had the word Christian in their MySpace bio, like I copied and pasted that message to them. And surprisingly, a few people said yes. So between uh, 15, 16 years old to me graduating high school at 18, uh, I held like 20 outreach concerts and 20 outreach events for my group. Wow. So yeah, funny. which is just crazy. Like one of the funny things was uh, like I brought a, uh, Debo from the Friday movies like he's actually a pastor like I brought him when I was like 17 18 like it was really cool because I brought him uh to do this like uh outreach thing and he was like big and scary and like but he was an awesome Christian and then like the next month uh Dark Knight comes out where he plays the uh, prisoner in the ferry like when the Joker's thinking about blowing up one of the fairies like he's a, he's the prisoner that throws the bomb over whatever and everybody's like hey you know him and i'm like yeah i'm awesome so uh <laughs> you know that yeah so that, i mean that was just kind of cool like god was doing these amazing things through me just because i was just like saying yes and because i wanted to uh you know help save my friends and he was giving me some amazing opportunities to do that so all that led to uh me working with a bunch of different music artists and stuff like that in the christian hip-hop world so I got plugged in with this uh, youth conference called Winterfest. Uh, Winterfest was a youth event that happened from January to March, uh, seven different cities. And we would just go and ho host these three-day youth conferences. So I would go and do like the logistics of that and do some like backstage registration and stuff like that. But uh, while I was doing that, New York City was always my heart because that's where, you know, I got saved and I love outreach and love hosting community events and I love New York City. So when I was at these 
youth conferences, I would always, with my mentor, we would set up a booth and a table and um, offer a mission trip. Uh, one week in June or one week in July, we would say, hey, if you you know, you know love this youth conference, you're looking for something to do in the summer, uh, we're going to take a mission trip to New York City. So from 20 years old to 30 years old, uh, through you know advertising uh, mission trips, uh, I uh, hosted over 8,000 people uh, to New York City on short-term mission trips. It was all for a week. You know, one week would have 100 people, next week would have 75 people, and so forth and so on. But uh, yeah, for about 10 years, uh, hosted over 8,000 people on mission trips to New York City. Uh, New York City just grew in my heart and grew in my passion. The more you know, I learned about diversity and like New York City is not a city, it's a world. Like there's 8 million people speaking 800 different languages here. And like, I'm the minority here. And I love that. Um, and I just fell, I fell in love with the city and I fell in love with doing ministry in the city almost to the point where it's like, okay, I have to move to New York City to live there, to do ministry there. So 2017, uh, moved up here full time, uh, became a discipleship director for the New York School of Urban Ministry. That's where I met Skyler, and uh, through those connections, uh, at the New York School of Urban Ministry uh, started uh, helping churches uh, do outreach. Uh, so much so that a church just offered to bring me on staff uh, to launch a nonprofit for them, and that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, and I'll just kind of end with this: is saying like. Uh, one of the coolest things I've done in the past 30 years of my life, I'm 31 now, uh, was two springs ago, um, I got to uh, go to the United Nations in Manhattan and lead a Bible study for United Nations representatives and share my story and my testimony. And we had like a little prayer service. And it was just so overwhelming that like, how in the world, I almost cussed, but how in the world does like uh, a, an abused, handicapped orphan that has a lot of church hurt, how do I go from being born in an anti-abortion program, being handicapped, hating God, hating Christians, hating Christianity, and I'm sitting in midtown Manhattan at the United Nations of all places sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the United Nations representatives. And I since then, I've been like... Like I'm sharing my story now, but I'm literally, uh, God has opened so many doors to allow me to share my testimony like this and share my story with different churches and different pastors and different Christian events. And it's been amazing, you know, that like you looking back on that verse that I started with, like this illness does not lead to death. It leads mm-hmm. to the glory, uh, to glorify God. And that's what I'm allowed to do. And I, I truly have taken you know, that verse in James where it says, count it pure joy when you go through trials and tribulations because you have to go through that and you need to go through it. So I've really adopted the mindset of, man, when life sucks and when when something bad is going on in my life and like I'm depressed and I'm having suicidal thoughts and I'm like, I don't want to do anything today. Like, I literally think, man, like, I'm thankful that I'm going through this because I have hope in Jesus. And because I went through crap, I'm allowed to help somebody else. And the one liner that uh, I've kind of come up with recently is like, I'm thankful that Jesus has allowed me to go through hell so I can keep 
someone else from going to hell. That's and um, I'm, I'm just thankful for it. And I, I think you go all the way back to when I on my mission trip, and I'll end with this, uh, when I was 15, like I, Jesus showed me that picture of two groups and he says, do you want to be a part of the group that uh, says they're Christians or do you want to be a part of the group that shows you they're Christians? And I could have said no, you know, and I could have been like, you know what? I'm mad at you and I don't want anything to do with this. Like, screw it. I'm not going to do any of this. Uh, and then went back to my group home and not been a Christian and not done all these cool things and amazing things. But I said, yes. And I think that's my testimony. Like you've heard my story, but my testimony is I said, yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we need to be as, you know, a Christian community and as kingdom people is saying like my story reaches a certain group of people that your story doesn't reach and your story reaches a certain group of people that my story doesn't reach and that's why our stories are so important that's why this this podcast is so important because we're all meant to share our stories but it's not our story that is important it's the life and gospel of Jesus Christ through our lives and through our stories so amen yeah i think i'm done now and like wow that was so good Kyle <laughs> Yeah. I just got like so hyped towards the end. Um, <laughs> wow, that was so good. It's so funny too. I just want to say this really fast is because I mean, I'll share my story one day on here, but it's just so funny that you were mentioning John eleven four because that verse, again, I'll share my story one day, but the night after <laughs> I attempted suicide in ninth grade, that was the verse, like just flipping open my Bible, super angry at God. And that was the verse that the Lord brought me to was this illness will not lead to death, but it's going to be for the glory of God. And I think that's yeah. just so beautiful, like, for whatever your testimony is, whether it's depression, whether it's this, whether it was a physical illness, like you had Kyle, or whatever it is, like, it's not going to lead to death. Like, even when we're in the darkest, deepest pits of our lives, and we think there's no hope, um, it's all for the glory of God. And I think that's yeah. just so awesome. Yeah, and I mean, just, I'm not going to preach for another 10 minutes, or whatever, I'll, I'll keep this 30 seconds. It's like... okay that that's the next part of this story I usually tell is like, you know, John eleven four says this illness does not lead to death, but you go 10 verses later, uh, verse 14, uh, the disciples are like, so we're going to go back and help Lazarus out. And Jesus says, Lazarus dead. Like he's dead. So it can lead to death if you allow it to. So that's why the testimony is that you say mm -hmm. yes, is because I could allow my abused handicap orphan church, her illness, to kill me, but I have to make a constant daily effort. I have to die to myself. I have to die to my flesh. It is, I wake up and say, you know what? I do have an illness. I do have this stuff that I'm dealing with, and I have to make a decision today and tomorrow and the next day for it not to kill me. Absolutely. Wow. I love that. I love that so much because some people just, they think they can just sit on their couch you know and yeah. the lord's just going to get them through day by day but that's not what he calls us to do he calls us you know to put in the effort to put a to actually do that wake up every single day and die to ourselves um so good yeah yeah kyle so the thing that really stood out to me is and a little bit of my testimony is my brother who's four years older than me he has severe cerebral palsy actually and oh wow um yeah and it's from a near drowning accident um, and which is again, a whole testimony in itself. And, but my whole life kind of with what you were saying and the question I'm going to ask, I would love for you to answer it in 
the lens of what would you say to the community of people who are handicapped, right? Um, like, so my whole life, I prayed, you know, like, like you were saying, like, he's gone to healings and all these things. And it's kind of like, when you get the, to the point of why God and do I keep praying? And um, what's the point of all this? You know, I'm sure you get to that point, like, right we've been praying and praying and praying and he's not healed. And it's like, yes, God's going to use this for his glory, but also like, where is it? You know, like, you know, just that wrestling for anyone who's dealing with, um, who's been born with a disability or special needs. What would you say to those people who just question God and are, are angry at God in those moments? Cause I know that's a huge part of it. Like my brother gets angry at God. And um, what would you say to someone with a disability like that in those moments? Yeah, definitely. And I, I struggle with that, you know, my entire life too. Um, that was the main thing was like, man, like, you know, I grew up in a group home facility that we love sports. I love sports. Like we love to play basketball and football. And they're just like, man, there's some things I couldn't do on the basketball court that I wanted to do because my little hand didn't work, you know, and that just made me so frustrated. But uh, when I was 15 and I said yes, and, you know, I, I dived into the scriptures and, you know, God started dealing with me. The biggest revelation that I think that he gave me that helped me with my handicap in particular, uh, and that hopefully can help your brothers and uh, other people that deal with uh, handicap issues is all my life. I saw my handicap as a problem and I saw it as something that I had to overcome and something that needed to be fixed in order for me to do something good. Uh, But God really revealed to me that, those weren't really problems at all. It was actually a platform. And that platform is now allowing me to open doors. Like here's, here's how I say it is what would be more impactful to you right now, listening to me right now by me saying, Hey, when I was seven years old, I went through a Holy ghost car wash and I was handicapped, but now I'm not. That was like, you know, 23 years ago. You don't care about that. But me sitting here saying, uh, I'm handicapped right now. Like it, it's tough for me to button up a shirt. It's tough for me to do this. It's tough for me to do that. But because I'm handicapped and because I have faith in Jesus, I now have a platform, a continuing platform, a daily platform, a weekly platform to say, look, you can see me struggling. It like, I don't dress up in like suits and ties when I go and speak because it takes me two hours to get dressed, you know, and it gets, you know, like my problems aren't problems at all. They're platforms and they're, they're allowing like the stuff that I have that I'm going through is allowing me uh, these amazing opportunities. Like I wouldn't be able to go speak at, you know, the United Nations if I was, if I was a handicapped kid that was healed at seven, you know? Yeah, that's so good. Absolutely. That's so good. So good. And I love the problems aren't problems. They're platforms. Yeah. They're problems. problems. That's so good. Um, Kyle, I have one more question for you. When you said towards the beginning of your testimony, you said something to the effect of, I never once thought I was an atheist. I knew there was a God, but I just hated him. Um, It's so funny because when you say that, like so many people that I know just start flooding to my mind because it's so crazy how many people know there's a god you know how just undeniable it is that there is a god and they believe it but they just think either god hates them and then therefore they hate god so 
even if there's someone listening to this podcast that maybe that's their sister, maybe that's their brother, um, you had the mission strip. That's what you had in your dad's friend or your friend's dad pushed you and forced you to go on that. But what would you say to those people that they don't really have something like that? Like how to be that light in their life? Or if someone's listening right now and they feel that way, they feel like God hates them and they feel like they hate God, but they know that he's there. Yeah. Um, it's so difficult to have like, and I take this with a great heavy heart and responsibility is I, I do know that there's not a one answer fits all situation. Like mm-hmm. you have to, uh, like I'll answer by saying this, like one, like one of my best friends in the entire world is an atheist. Like he like does like we, we laugh, we joke, we're, we're legit best friends, but he's an atheist and he, he almost laughs at the stuff that I go through on the church side and stuff. And I'm like, look, he sometimes like I think that he he knows there's a God and we've even talked about this. He just doesn't want there to be a God, you know, and I, I feel like some people are like that where it's like, look, woe is me. I went through this and I'm going through that and I need to blame someone and I need to put the responsibility on someone else. So I don't have to own up and take the responsibilities for my life issues and my life decisions. Um so I'm going to blame God and I'm going to hate him. And that was the, that was the realization I also had was like, look, like I was, my depression that I deal with sometimes is self-inflicted. And I mean, a lot of people say that is what depression is, is it's uh outward rage, but uh, directed inward. You know, you're raging within yourself and you're, you, you hate yourself so much and that's depression. So I don't know if I'm answering this right, but it's like, what I'm trying to say is, you have to really sit down with yourself and say, okay, my life isn't where it needs to be. I'm, I'm mad at God. I'm mad at this. Why is this? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? And you have to sit up and say, like, I have to take ownership of some of this stuff too. Like, I can't keep saying like, oh man, I can't do this and I can't do that because whatever's going on in my life, like there's always someone going through something more difficult than you. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's always somebody that's going through something less difficult than you. And, you know, you might look at somebody and say, man, if I just had their life, I'd be good. Or, man, I'm glad I don't have their life because their life sucks. Uh, but at some point you have to say, like, I have to take ownership of my life and my problems. And I have to understand that my problems, like we said before, aren't really problems at all. That I'm thankful that I'm allowed I'm allowed to go through these things to help somebody else. So I don't know if that was, I I struggle with answering that question because it's like, I I never want to assume that my, the the stuff that works for me will work for anybody. That's one thing I love about Jesus and love about God is that he answers the way he wants to answer Mm -hmm. to different people. Like the, what the answers that work for me might not work for you. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so you, you, my, my one advice would just be like, test him out and seek him. Like, try, and that's what yeah. I tell my buddy is like, bro, just like, like God wants to be tested sometimes. Like, like try him out. And I promise that you, if you seriously try him out and you earnestly like seek him, like he's going to come back and prove himself to be true. That's so good. Yeah. And that's, I think what it is just like sitting down, like you said, just evaluating your life, evaluating your own heart just giving it a try I mean what harm could come from it if he's not real what harm could come from it if he doesn't respond but what harm could come from it if you don't seek him and he is there 
you yeah. know, and how different yeah. could your life look? Yeah. So yeah. that's so good, Kyle. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story. Wow. It's just so yeah. incredible just seeing all the Lord's done in your life and you're still so young. Like that's the crazy thing that I keep thinking with the guests that we've had, some of the guests that we've had thus far in our podcasts and um, just all the things that have already done like they've done and accomplished in their life and the years that they have to come I just can't imagine where you'll be in 25 years from now but yeah. I'm excited to see well thank yeah thanks for having me and it's been a lot of fun and you know thank you yeah absolutely yeah and to everyone who's listening we want to remind you that your story matters check back next week for new episodes bye, bye. bye. See ya. yeah thanks yeah bye everybody <laughs> bye. <laughs>